All right. So as was already mentioned, this is Palm Sunday, uh, which is in the ancient Christian calendar, an important annual uh, tradition to remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, riding on a young donkey as a sign of a king coming in peace. And people recognized his identity as Messiah and called out that Hosanna, that Aramaic phrase that the Jews had adopted, save me, help me. And there was a recognition that Jesus is the Savior. And I'm thankful for that. We're going to start today by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, or as the Brits say, 1 Corinthians 2. The New Living renders it this way. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthian believers, and he's writing a letter to them within the context of their relationship. And so he is, at the beginning of the letter, talking a little bit about their past interactions with each other. And he's talking a little bit about how he first started to communicate the good news of Jesus and what it means to be a church and the purpose and all of those things. And that's the context of, of this comment. And you th- it's, it seems kind of odd, especially in the Old King James um, or, you know, in the ESV. Um, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. It's like, it seems kind of morbid, Paul. What's, what's your deal? Oh, maybe your brain doesn't work like mine. It's like, what are you talking about here? Like, like slow talking Bart or no, the loud, fast talking Bart. Like you, you have to distinguish between which Jesus you're referring to. I think they know. Wait, what, what's the deal, Paul? Why, why do you have to, why is that an indicator? And it's an indicator because in Jesus Christ, in who he was, who he is, what he had done, what he was doing, They had a life-changing experience. Have you ever had a life-changing experience? I have. A big wheel. (laughs) I kid you not, when I was a little kid and my parents got me a big wheel, just like, I found a picture, this is exactly the one I had. It was a life-changing experience. It set me off on a path of being an adrenaline junkie, which I am. I need adrenaline. I love speed. I love danger. It's a part of me. It's who I am. I, 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 I later, I remember this big wheel so very clearly. I don't know if you can see it, but on the, on the back wheel, on, on what would be on your right-hand side is an e-brake. And you could skid. I mean, you could power slide that thing to no end. And let me tell you something. Those hard plastic wheels, I shaved those things down over and over and over. I got such a thrill downhill speed. It was amazing. When I graduated to a skateboard and I would start to slalom and then later my family, we moved to this house that was on a hill and I would go down this hill. It was the city limits and, and this road on this hill, it actually came from what had been at one time was a, 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 a prison and then became a military academy. And, and the, what they had done it, when they carved this, it's literally a Rocky Butte. It's called Rocky Butte because it's just like solid rock. And when our church moved up there, we had to do a bunch of dynamiting in order to do construction. It's just a crazy thing. But when the military academy took over, they, they, when they were busting 
busting up all the rock, they put these boulders, like literally like this big, along the sides of the rock. And I never really thought about those boulders. I just thought about the speed that was possible going down this hill. And so I started like standing up and then realized pretty quickly that was pretty crazy. And then so what I would do is I would lay down on my skateboard to go down the hill. And now, sadly, they've put in speed bumps, which is a crime against humanity. And I, I literally... As I got into uh, ninth grade, I had started to have friends that could drive. And so I had a friend drive alongside me as I was going down on my skateboard and clocked me at 35 miles an hour. Now, if you know anything about old school skateboards, they get these speed wobbles and they start going like this. I survived. <laughs> Let's see if you can. <laughs> It was a life-changing experience. Paul says, when I came to you, I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, was a life-changing experience. Saul, who had was renamed to Paul, Saul was breathing murder hated the Christians. He had an interaction with Jesus that was a life-changing experience. Today, we sang the words. We sang a description of Jesus that I think is really appropriate. Marvelous. (laughs) Now, some of you were here a couple of weeks ago. I talked a little bit about uh, superheroes. And so I just want to talk, let's talk a little bit about this word, marvelous. Marvelous, causing wonder, astonishing, miraculous, supernatural, of the highest kind or quality, notably superior. And when Marvel, Stan Lee is creating heroes, one of the things that attracts people to heroes is their abilities. Some of you are thinking. Their attributes. What are they like? What's their backstory? Not just what special abilities do they have, but what are their characteristics? Which ones tend to be selfish? Which ones tend to be sacrificial? Which ones tend to be noble? Which ones tend to be Iron Man? (laughs) And their attributes, their abilities, and their actions, right? Those are things that attract us to superheroes. And then what is also included in those stories is the benefits that the average person has from a relationship with that superhero. People that are marvelous. But Paul writes to the Corinthian believers who are people in a city just like we are, with crime, with racial violence, with corrupt government, with oppression, with all kinds of problems. And he writes about a life-changing experience with Jesus. I think that in our current climate, it's maybe easier and more attractive to think about the attributes, the abilities, the activities of superheroes from the comics than it is to think about the actions, abilities, and attributes of our Lord Jesus. What, what? It's easier for me to find a blogger, an expert on the web, a a voice in a podcast, something, and listen, get caught up with their opinion on things, right? 
Okay, they might be good opinions. They might be beneficial. But how much of an expert am I on what Peter, James, John, Paul said about their interactions with Jesus? Because Jesus is marvelous. Causing wonder, astonishing, miraculous, supernatural of the highest kind of quality, notably superior. Jesus is a person who lives today with abilities, attributes, actions that people, normal people, even before he did miracles, wanted to be around him. As it turns out, the religious people, not so much. But the people that were like, yeah, if I darken the door of a church, it's set fire. (laughs) Normal people enjoyed being around Jesus. Read the stories, right? And Jesus didn't have a cool suit. Scripture says there was no form or comeliness to him. There was nothing super attractive about him. He wasn't Hal Jordan able to save the galaxy. Right? Wasn't Captain Marvel? Wasn't even Black Panther? Jesus didn't have those abilities. Wasn't even Groot. What would Groot say about Jesus? I am Groot. (laughs) If you think about it, each of the superheroes that are on the screen, there is something redemptive about their attributes about their abilities, about their activities. That's because the writers of these characters had recognized that our culture could not continue and ignore Jesus. Even if they used his name in vain, they realized, like, you can't ignore this guy. What is it about it? And so they start to, started to look at him. I remember so distinctly an interview with Tom Hanks talking about how the best stories in humanity include loneliness. And as we go into this week, next Sunday being Resurrection Sunday, as some call Easter, we remember on Friday the crucifixion of Jesus and what happened in that moment. He was betrayed by those closest to him. He was falsely accused. He didn't have a defender. He took on himself the sins of us all and the Father turned his face from him. No one knows loneliness more than Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is now at the right hand of the Father praying for us, explaining to the Father what human life is like. Jesus is Marvelous. So that's why Paul wrote these words. You see on the screen, For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was uh, crucified. And from chapter 15, verses 20 through 22, In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So who who are we talking about? Let's take just a little, just a quick look at how Jesus described himself. You see on the screen, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. He said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. What is Jesus talking about? Here now and today, we don't have a context. We don't have a way to understand what Jesus is talking about. This sacrificial language that he used to describe himself, his purpose, the events that would come, and why they would come. But the people to whom he was speaking, they understood. From a context of the creation story, and all that it revealed with Adam and Eve since the beginning of human history, they knew humans make mistakes and hide. But God comes looking for us because He loves us. God created them and said, look at all of this. Gave them more freedom than anything else and only one simple prohibition. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They ate it. Right? This is how we know we are connected to them because we do the same. God did not respond wiping them out to start over. He could have. He didn't do that. He said, well, I messed up on that one. Got to come up with a better addition. No, he didn't do that. He went looking for them. He went down and walked in the garden with them, as was his custom, looking for them. He had a conversation with them. He didn't dictate the truth. The beginning of the conversation is questions. When the serpent came to deceive, what did he do? He overstated the prohibition from God and he understated the consequences. He twisted the truth. He still does the same today. Jesus used words like sin, trespass, and iniquity. Sin is to miss the mark. Not do something you should do or do something you should not do. Trespass is crossing forbidden lines or boundaries that God set up for our protection. The parents in the room, you know what it's like. You tell the child, don't put a fork in the microwave. (laughs) Why do you do that? Is that because you're a bummer? It's for their protection. You teach them the danger of the stove. Why? Because a burn is really painful. Right? God the Father, the creator of all that we see, has the right and the wisdom to give us some instruction, some riverbanks, if you will, some guidelines for healthy living. And he does so for our benefit. And repeatedly in the Old Testament, when he adds rules, you see he says, I'm doing this because of your hardness of heart. We actually only see God bring rules when people disobey, reject him, and rebel. What we see at the beginning is the nature of God, which is free and permissive and creative and go for it. Have a good time. We are the ones that push him. 
So, all of humanity is in this state, sinful, separated from God by our mistakes and unable to fix it on our own. Two kids in a mud puddle can't clean each other. Someone clean needs to enter the equation. All of us find ourselves in that place and accountable for our wrongs. Jeremiah 17, 9 said this, sin turns our heart sick and deceitful. We can no longer trust what we're feeling. You can have a lot of people in your car for the road trip of life, but don't make your feelings the driver. Jesus talks about this concept of sacrifice, and, and for us today, it's just weird, if we're honest. The concept of sacrifice, this idea that because of sin, someone has to pay the penalty, is seen throughout the scripture. Sin was forgiven only as a result of shedding blood, a sacrifice offered in the place of sinful human beings. The sacrifice had to be without defect. Jesus' blood, his sacrificial death, is God's solution for humanity's sin. He pays the penalty for your sin. He wants to wipe the slate clean. Forgiveness. God's law demands that sin be punished by death. Year in and year out, innocent animals would die in the place of God's people, reminding them that sin is costly. However, God's plan was to send His ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, as a lamb to be offered for the sins of the whole world. Even more amazing is the fact that the Bible calls Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. God became a man in Jesus Christ and died for the sins of His own creation. Here we are on Palm Sunday looking ahead to Good Friday on the ancient Christian calendar where we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And some of you may or may not be aware, we come from the West Coast and a pretty free-flowing, creative church family. Not traditional in a lot of ways. But I wonder if when we look at the cross, we are thinking what Jesus thought. I wonder if when we look at the cross, we are thinking what these followers thought. When Paul wrote that in 1 Corinthians 2.2, Christ crucified. Do we we understand? And I want to, today, I want to think about it in terms of benefits. I want to think about it in terms of what did Jesus actually do on the cross? Does that sound good? The cross is a symbol. It's a symbol known the world round. It was a symbol. To the Jews, it was a symbol of the one who was cursed. It was refined by the Romans to be the most torturous with the whole process of torture and everything that they did. It was refined to be the most torturous, the closest you could get a human to death before they died. They kept very careful historic records of their crucifixions. Very careful, like the Nazis, SS, and the the labor camps, the prison camps, they kept very careful records of how they tortured humans and what the results were. There is 
the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is documented in a historical way that holds the weight of the academic standard better than most historically established facts because the Romans kept such careful records. So it was a horrible, excruciating, terrible thing in which God did something miraculous in which God made a way for us to know new life, in which God made a way for us to remember that with God nothing is possible, that it is true, that we can have our guilt removed, we can have a relationship with God restored, we can receive a new heart, we can receive new life, we can be welcomed into the invitation that Jesus gave us to be born again. We can live in our cities and in this current life looking to the cross as look what Jesus did for me. Just as I do not look at my wedding ring and think about my obligation to my wife first, I think about the promise that she made to me first and the benefits, the goodness of that long-term relationship. It is a symbol of love, of a lifelong commitment of love to me. So the cross is a symbol of what Jesus has done. Now let's get more specific. What does the sacrificial death of Jesus do for us? We are briefly going to look at six scriptures and I want you to think deeply about them and I want you in some way, whether you're thumb punching notes into your phone or taking picture, whatever, I want you to keep a record of these verses because this week I want you to read these verses and for yourself personally, think about what they mean to you. Read them in different translations. Journal about it. Reflect on it. Meditate on it. Do you know that the worshipers of our living God were the first ones to meditate and to understand how the depth of meditation can help us, how identifying what our doubts are can help us, how how unearthing the things that we're not sure about and pursuing answers to our questions can help us. But I want us to look to the cross of Jesus this week and on Good Friday and have a deep understanding and a meaning of what it accomplished. So number one, Romans chapter five and verse nine. Since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So let's hear from you. What do you think the plain, simple truth of this scripture is? What would you say Jesus' sacrificial death accomplishes for us according to this verse? Anybody, a word, a phrase, something simple. Freedom from guilt. guilt. Yes, and we would discern that from being made right, which is a righteousness word, the phrase that's here rendered in the New Living that way. That is like... Somebody cheats on their spouse, and what is it that it takes to then be made right in the relationship? Well, that's not easy, and that is painful, and the healing and recovery process is painful. But there's a big difference between you when you are in right standing in a relationship and when you are not. No one here has ever slept on the couch, I know, I know. So, right... Being made right in the relationship. What else do we see in this verse? Exactly right. Promise to be saved from future judgment. So, Jesus, if you pay attention, talks about God with 
terms that seem in tension from each other often. He talks about spirit and truth. He talks about mercy and the word. Here's what we know. Our God is a God of mercy and our God is a God of justice. He is more long-suffering than any human. He does not give up on humans the way that we do. He does not have the patience of a gnat like we might. He, 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 he holds out hope to no end, calling each person to himself. Peter wrote, he is not willing that any should perish. And yet, each human has a lifetime of opportunity and then a day of accountability that comes. And our just God will judge those who are unrepentant. So, those are truths that we hold in tension. So, Justin is right. The blood of Christ, the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross, saves us from certain punishment. The verse does not say, your good works, your good looks, your good deeds... You're praying the exact right words. It doesn't say that. It says the death of Christ on the cross. Number two, I gotta keep moving. Ephesians chapter one and verse seven, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So again, what does the sacrificial death of Jesus do for us? Anyone? A word, a phrase, plain, simple truth. What does the sacrificial death of Jesus do for us? Right. We belong to him now, which is very important. I am not my own person, master of my own destiny. Not everyone has seen Nacho Libre. For that I am saddened. I will have my day in the hot sun. You get, you have a free will. You get to make choices, but we are his. Daniel? It forgives our sins. And we see a purchase. Paul uses a legal transaction vocabulary. We are redeemed. The sacrificial death of Christ on the cross purchased our freedom. Right? Right? Yes. Yeah, that is well. Very good. And it calls back to Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7, where God describes himself rich in kindness and grace. Number three, Ephesians 2, verse 13. Now, now this is a, his letter to believers. This is a letter to believers. And the plural, you, you all. Now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. So what does the sacrificial death of Jesus do for us? Unites us. Yes, there's a unity there and a unity with who? God, the one source of love, hope, peace, and joy, right? Who who you are united to is important, right? Hello? Hello? Ever get in business with the wrong person? Right? So it unites us with God. What else? What else does this verse say?
Exactly. Yes, yes, very good. It's not our good deeds. And this would be important to the Ephesians. It's not my ethnicity. It's not my culture. It's not my name, the name of who my parents were. Right? But as Frank rightly identifies, people who I was once far from God. Anybody remember Sesame Sesame Street? Near. Far. Near. Far. I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life where I knew that I was far from God. Right? Those God people, they didn't want nothing to do with me. Many gave up on me. It's a part of my story. I knew that I was far from God, but I was wrong. And it took me a while to grow an understanding that through Jesus' death on the cross, not through my good deeds, not through who my parents were, not through this, not through that, through Jesus' work on the cross, God has brought me near. I might, it might take me a while for my feelings to line up with the truth. But are my feelings in the driver's seat of this road trip? No. Right? Okay, let's keep going. I'm excited and I, I can tell I'm getting long-winded. First John chapter 1 and verse 7. Number 4. If we are living in the light. I love, John is such a sci-fi writer. I just love, that's, that's for another day. I just love John. If we are living in the light as God is in the light then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So plain, simple truth, what is John writing that the sacrificial death of Jesus does for us? Cleanses us. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I felt dirty. Not everybody has that experience, but I distinctly, before I turned to Jesus, I felt dirty. And I felt every time I was around somebody who was one of those Jesus people, I felt it even more. No matter how they acted, no matter what they said, I felt dirty. But I don't have to. If I'm living in the light, as God is in the light, that means we've got to bring stuff out of the darkness. We gotta step ourselves out and we gotta bring our stuff out. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. That koinonia word there. And the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us. We're washed in that way. Great verse there. Number four. Number five. Revelation chapter one and verse five. Again, this is John writing. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding His blood for us. Some of you may not know the book of Revelation. The actual title is The Revelation of Jesus. Because that's what it is. What does the sacrificial death of Jesus do for us? According to this verse. Freeze us. I'm cleansed and I'm free. Now, Most humans develop self-destructive habits that are a decent example of sin. And one way to know that is you do something and for a moment it feels good, but then it feels bad. 
You do something again and it feels good, but then it feels bad and then that bad turns worse. You do something good and then it feels bad and then it's worse and then it's damaging myself and maybe others. That's a good example of sin that God wants to remove from us. Not only that, but free us from the compulsion to repeat it. I'm looking, you all look fantastic today. I'm sure you've never experienced this, but I have an addictive personality. Just my wife of more than two decades. And as a person with an addictive personality, I've had years of my life dominated by compulsion to repeat self-destructive habits. Hello? That's me. Hi. Through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross, I have been freed from that compulsion. I no longer am compelled to repeat those mistakes like a dog returning to its vomit. I am no longer compelled. And I'm telling you today that my testimony, the reality, and there are people here in this room, in my accountability group, that know I am free from that compulsion. Now, until Christ returns in this sinful world that we live in, temptation can return. But whether or not I am compelled to repeat those mistakes, that changes. Because the Spirit in me changes. Because my feelings, my habits, my hang-ups are not in the driver's seat of my road trip. Now, There is a miracle that God does in your life and there is a process of healing and so we invite everyone to come. Wednesday night, Celebrate Recovery, 7 p.m., the Hamden Family Center, where you can find healing and freedom from life's hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Can I get a... Well, what? All right. So, Revelation 1.5 is number five. Frees us from sin, freedom from unhealthy, self-destructive, bad habits. Number six... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. What does it do for us? The passage says this. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By your wounds, you are healed. So somebody, a word, a phrase. What does the sacrificial death of Jesus do for us? I'm sorry, what? Takes away sin, right? Heals us, yes. What else? Yes, lightens our load. What else? Right, creative miracle so that there's healing so that that sin is not repeated. Might summarize it like this, a miracle from God that gives me ability to live different. You are forever going to be frustrated and make a mistake and not enjoy our gatherings and not really enjoy our life if you try to create new habits only out of your own strength. I got news for you. You can't do it. It's only with the power of God that you will make lasting change. You might break a bad habit for three weeks or six weeks. Maybe six years. But if you're not drawing from the power of God that comes through that miracle of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, first and foremost, you are destined to repeat your mistakes. Yeah. 
Man, you're a bummer. (laughs) Next week, I'm turning 45. I've lived a little life. I never thought I would live this long because I'm an adrenaline junkie. (laughs) Broken both arms twice, four concussions, knee surgery because I love me some adrenaline. I've learned a few things. I've learned a few things in this life. When you try to do good that you were created for out of your strength, you will always be stressed You will always get weak. You will always fall short. I'm saying this because I love you. I want to help you. When I draw from the power of the living God first and foremost, there is hope. There is hope for real change because the power comes through Jesus. And how? What is the context of that? That's what Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What is the context of that power? Because we need to be reminded of it. The context of that power is through what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Oh, so intense. Okay. Here's how I kind of summarize this. The death and resurrection of Jesus were necessary to free us from our sin. Certain punishment and separation from God, which I fear more than anything. Through it, we are clean, free, and able to enjoy God in our life here and in an eternal heaven. Romans 4.25 says this, He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. I like the way the purple book phrases it. What makes God's gift of grace so costly is that Jesus paid for it with his life. What makes it so powerful is that he came back from the dead proving that he is the son of God and showing that God accepted his sacrifice as payment for our sin. I don't know about you, but I want to be like a bird sitting on my cage, no longer bound up in this life. Aren't you tired of your cage? Don't you think the people that God put in your life, in your home, in your neighborhood, in this city, at your workplace, at your school, are tired of their cage? It's time for freedom. Baltimore is going to come into a spiritual spring. There is change. There is new life coming. Don't you want to participate? Don't you want to receive it and re-gift it? So, I always like to leave us with a couple of to-dos. So here are my suggestions of things to do about this. Number one, read the verses that I just gave you this morning, particularly the six. Read those verses and consider what they mean to you personally. Listen, you can come here, me, talk about my relationship with God, but it does not give you a relationship with God. That was so nice, I'll say it twice. You can come hear me talk about my relationship with God, but it does not give you a relationship with God. It's an invitation to a relationship with God. And that requires effort. Throughout the whole of the scripture, okay, I'm almost done. Look at me, folks. Okay. Throughout the whole of scripture, we have zero examples of Jesus followers or God worshipers who did so with passive learning. Zero examples of passive learning. All the good examples are of active learning. It requires effort on your part. And congratulations, you made a great effort. You made it here today. I'm inviting you this week to take another step in your active learning. Read these verses and consider for you 
What do they mean to you personally? Second, ask God to help you understand what you're reading. All of us, and I I really try to invite us in the context by providing contextual information for every passage, there is stuff to learn. God's faithfulness is great. He doesn't change, but every day His mercies are new. Every day He has something new to communicate. Every day He can communicate more through the truth of Scripture. Ask God for help. Number three, write out a few simple truths that we saw in the Scripture. So, if you are a Jesus believer, you can write down things like the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross makes a way for me to be cleansed from my sin free from my guilt, free from a compulsion to repeat my mistakes. That's just an example. In this journey, write some stuff down. I use Simple Note as an app in my phone because whether I'm on my iPad or my laptop, my phone, whatever, the note is always there and it's free. I like that Simple Note. There's a little plug. They don't pay me nothing, right? Put something in a place where you can always find it that's some truth that matters, that's maybe more important than what our president tweeted. It's more important. All right, some of you will thank me later. Number four, thank Jesus for what he's done for you. So you write some plain, simple truths about what the sacrificial death of Jesus does for you on the cross, then thank Jesus for what that means to you personally. I can thank God for time with you, but I cannot thank God on your behalf for what he has done for you. Only you can thank God for what he has done for you. That's powerful truth. Number five, tell someone about what this means to you. Listen, it takes time to walk through people, people through the truths of how we came to have Holy Scripture because there's a lot to it. It takes time to walk people through different spiritual principles, but it can take two minutes for you to describe what Jesus means to you. And when you know it, when it's deep in your gut, when it is a life-changing experience like my big wheel, they can't argue with that. Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. Thank you so much for coming this morning. Thank you so much for listening. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for what you have done for us through Jesus, and in particular, from his sacrificial death on the cross. Thank you that Through that, we are made right. We are cleansed. We are made free. We are saved. Our guilt can be removed. Our relationship with you can be restored. We can receive a new heart and new life. We thank you for it. Help us this week as we remember from the humble, peaceful, triumphant entry of Jesus in Jerusalem through the cross, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Help us to grow closer to you, God, through this. Help us to consider it, meditate on it, write it down, share it with others. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for coming. Really good to see you today. Again, 